I am excited to be here with you all and excited to be sharing with you. Um, if you got your bulletin, go ahead and pull it out. We've got some notes to be taken, and I know it's a little dark, but um, you got to sacrifice one thing to have another thing. So we're, we're keeping you cool and straining your eyes a little bit. Um, so hang in there. Uh, in front of you, you'll find a communication card. Uh, we have these uh, there every week for you. If you're brand new, please go ahead and fill one out. We're not going to put you on a spam mailing list. We just want to get to know you. Uh, get, get you connected to what's going on here at Neighborhood. And if you've been here a million times or it seems like that, uh, there's a place on the back, too, to write down prayer requests. And we as a staff pray for them every week and would love to hear how things are going on. Praises, prayer requests, anything like that. Um, whatever's going on, we'd, we'd love to be a part of that. All right, so let me get organized, get out my notes. Now, Dave gave me a nice, long passage of seven verses, and I don't know if we're going to be able to get through it all today, so (laughs) hang in there with me a little bit. I don't think I'm going to shock you by saying that America is a very individualistic society, very me-centered. Back in the 1970s, do we have the PowerPoint going? Mush. Hey, there we go. All right. Next. The beauty of technology. Hey, there we go. Okay. Back in the 1970s, uh, Burger King launched this wonderful campaign. Have it your way. McDonald's was very much about pushing out as many burgers as possible. So you got your burger how they decided to make it and had to pick off or add on whatever you wanted or didn't want. Uh, But Burger King launched this where you got to pick what you wanted on your burger and you got to pick what you wanted off your burger. This was revolutionary. And they were just shocked. 35 years later, we have come to expect this. And even... uh, Man, is this not going to work today? Oh, okay. Um, even 35 years later, McDonald's has gotten on the bandwagon. And they're getting into it, too. Um, have you had your break today? Uh, next one. Grocery stores today. Um, someone give me a guess as to how many items you think the average grocery store carries. Toss it out. I heard 3,000 higher. 10,000 higher. 30,000 higher. About 50,000 different items are in the average grocery store. 50,000. Five zero. It's just ridiculous, which is why it takes some people a long time to shop. Right? (laughs) I mean, my goodness, how can you sort through, do I need every single one of these 50,000 items? Well, maybe. I don't know. They're on the shelves. Uh, Go ahead to the next slide. Uh, Those of you who have known me for a while know that I normally don't wear shoes. But I am wearing shoes today. (laughs) Intentionally. Because I'm going to tell you a little bit about Converse. 
Okay? Uh, earlier this week, I went on the Converse website. There are 279 different ready-to-buy pairs of Converse shoes. Now, if that isn't enough, you can actually customize your own pair of Converse shoes. Go ahead to the next slide. And we're going to kind of just go ahead and click through. Yep, go ahead. There are 31 different shoes, 34 different colors and patterns, five different surfaces, three different rubber colors, four different racing stripe colors, 26 different stitch colors, seven different colors for laces, adding up to a total of 11,509,680 different possibilities of pairs to shoes, pairs of shoes. Not to mention that you can also have it personalized with a little like inscription as if this isn't personalized enough. Eleven million. America is very me-centered. Making sure that you get what you want. Hey, this is beautiful. Even sometimes at church. Watch this. Welcome to First Trinity Unity Community Church of the United States. How can we feed you today? Hi, I'd like a 25-minute sermon and some upbeat worship music, please. Nothing too crazy, though. And I don't like to stand until the very end. Certainly. Please drive forward. Have a blessed day. Don't stand until the end, right? Of course not, sir. Here at FTU CCUSA, we get your order right the first time, every time, all the time, and on time until the end of time. Have a blessed day. Welcome to First Trinity Unity Community Church of the United States. How can we feed you today? Uh, can I get some children's ministry please with games? Lots of games. And uh, can I have the movies too, but please no veggie tales. Girls, I don't like the veggie tales ones. They get stuck in my head. Okay? Uh, then I'd like the multicolored fishy crackers, please. Not the plain gold ones. We've got those at home. Okay, we've got those. We've got those. Um, and uh, a cry room. Do you guys have a cry room? Certainly. Okay, can I get uh, a leather chair and surround sound, please, in my cry room? Certainly. Have a blessed day.
and look, I want some healing for my bunion. And I don't want to be challenged too much, just a little bit, okay? Because I'm challenged enough during work. Certainly. This is a safe place. A happy place. I'd be a lot happier if you had, if you had something in the fifth row or so. Certainly. That's what I'm talking about. Have a blessed day. Unity Community Church of the United States. We get your order right the first time, every time, all the time, and on time, until the end of time. How can we meet you today? All right. Um, <laughs> I don't know where you're at, but uh, man, some of that stuff sounded pretty good. 100% all natural grape juice. Yeah, now we're talking. Um, But as funny as that is, it's sickeningly true, sadly to say. Uh, Listen to a couple of sentences from this article entitled, Common Traits of the Self-Centered Person. Um, So this uh, author is talking about how to identify someone that's self-centered. But she starts out by saying, most of us struggle to maintain a sense of compassion and understanding towards others. She's not talking about just self-centered people. She's talking about all of us. Cultures that emphasize individualism, such as America, fail at being able to infer another person's perspective. Cultures that emphasize interdependence, on the other hand, like those in Asia, are easily able to put themselves in the shoes of others and be more empathetic. A Texas corporation aiming to improve productivity told its employees to look in the mirror and say, I am beautiful a hundred times before coming to work. Hmm. In contrast, a Japanese supermarket instructed its employees to begin their day by telling each other, you are beautiful. Our current culture not only supports, but requests that individuals put themselves and their own happiness first. Young people today do not show the same amount of concern that youth of past generations expressed for the state of their country or for current affairs. Those of today's generation seem to take pride in being self-centered and for caring only about their needs and wants. They are completely self-driven and more concerned with their image and materialistic things than issues that affect the entire country and even the rest of the world. America is me-centered, which makes it that much more of a challenge to take a look at this passage that we're in today. Let's invite God's guidance as we dive in. God, in this me-centered culture, you ask us for something different. God, let the words that I have prepared fall out of place to make room for yours. Step in and teach us what we need to hear this morning. And uh, just bless our time in the way that only you can. Thank you so much for for loving us and for all the good that you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to John chapter 17. We are going to go ahead and finish up the Lord's Prayer, the second Lord's Prayer, um, where he's been praying in the garden. We're starting in verse 20 of chapter 17. It says this, 
my prayer is not only for them alone. He just prayed for his disciples, the 12 that have been around him. My prayer is not only for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Let me stop right there. At this point, right now, Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. We, we pray to Him often. And here He is praying to God on our behalf. I wanted to just stop and let that sink in. Let's take a look at what He prays for us. I pray also for those who will believe in Me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as You are in Me and I am in You. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that You have sent Me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I I myself may be in them. So in this, he prays for us in two ways. He prays for two things. First, he prays for unity amongst us. And then he also prays for our relationship with him that we will come to know Him and be with Him. So, we're going to talk about both, but we're really going to focus on the first one, about this issue of unity. So, what is unity? What is Jesus talking about? And what is He not talking about? We're going a little bit different, and we've got a little chart for you to fill in. There's not going to be a test. You don't have to memorize it or anything like that. Um... But we're going to take a look at what unity is and what unity is not. Because as I dove in and studied this idea of unity, there was a lot of different things and definitely some disturbing things that came up. So first of all, let's take a look at the goal of unity and what Jesus was desiring for us. The goal is not... A club. And I love Kel. Is he still in here? Wherever he is. Well, um, I love that Kel brought that up, made that comment that, you know, we're, we're putting up this sign, you know, so that we're not looking like we're this exclusive club, because that's not what we're supposed to be. The goal of unity is not to, to group us in, but it is to be a witness. I, uh, I pulled out my wallet last night. And I'm pulling it out again right now. This is the stack of club cards that I have in my wallet. I've got AAA. I've got Santa Clara County Library. Very handy. Uh, Blockbuster, Hollywood Video, REI, Alaska Airlines, Orange Tree Frozen Yogurt, which is actually pretty good. Subway, Starbucks, Costco. I'm sure if you pull out your wallet as well, you will find... Uh, a big stack of club cards as well. 
Because that's another big thing is like join our club, be a part of our club. Now, clubs do unify, but at the expense of those who aren't in. When I was up at uh, UC Davis going to school up there, my roommate was 17 years old and he wanted to get a library card. But because he was 17, he wasn't able to get a library card because he needed a parental signature. And so, of course, we all made fun of him for it and kind of, you know, ha ha, Chris can't get a library card, uh, you know, because we all could. And I think I ended up like getting one for him because like he just wanted to check out books, I guess. Uh, that's usually what you do with a library card, right? Yeah. OK. Yeah. Um, so I got one for him and I was like, here you go. You can use mine. Um, but it was kind of sad, you know, like here he was wanting to be a part of this club. But club, but they had this exclusionary thing that kept him from joining. Now, what about us? Do we treat church as a club? Do we put requirements on people walking through our doors, thinking to ourselves that if they don't dress or look or act a certain way, then they're not worth our time? Or what about denominations? I like listening to Christian comedians, but sometimes it grates on me a little bit because they like to poke fun at different denominations. You know, oh, those Lutherans are, you know, you're a Nazarene if, ha, 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 and are throwing out all these jokes. But is that what church should really be? The structure of Christianity must be utterly confusing for the non-believer. Methodist, Lutheran, Baptist, and on it goes. It gets even worse when the non-believers catch us arguing between our different groups. Why would they want to be a part of religion that bickers within itself? So Jesus doesn't want it to be this exclusive thing. Like, oh, we're over here. We're the whatevers. We're the non-denominationals. Or we're the... Episcopalians or were the whatever. He wants us to unify to serve as a witness. Just as God sent Jesus, Jesus is sending you and me to share his good news with all. Jesus' approach was radical. He loved all and reached out to those that the established church at the time would not associate with. Think about that. He reached out to the ones that the church had cast aside. The, the sinners, the adulterers, the tax collectors, um, the scum of the earth. That's who he spent his time with. Not the people that were going to synagogue every week. And so I look at that and go, well, how are we interacting Are we grouping ourselves off and keeping ourselves back from a society, from a world that needs to hear? Are we taking time bickering amongst each other and talking about, oh, no, it's once saved, always saved. No, it's uh, uh, you can't lose your salvation or you can. It goes back and forth and it's just a mess. Take a look at this. 
By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If we're putting others first, we're doing something radical. Remember, America is me-centered. So if we take this shift and focus on others-centered, they're going to notice. We're going to stand out like a sore thumb. If we start living that you-centered life, others will see that and want in. More than anything, though, Jesus' radical love will be shown through our radical love towards each other. It talks in Romans 5, and we're going to take a look at this verse a little bit later, but it talks in Romans 5 about how, you know, for a good person, someone would, might possibly die. But God demonstrates his love that while we were sinners, he died for us. That's radical love. Now, are we having the love that the world is happy to give as well? Are we content with loving our friends? Or do we push it a little bit farther and love the unlovable? Do we push it to the extent that we take time to not bicker with the Lutherans or the Methodists? Because that's not where our focus should be. Our focus should be on Jesus. On saying, hey, we've got things in common. Now, I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit, and we'll get there. But it is not supposed to be a club. We're not supposed to unify and say, this is us, and here are the things that you have to do to get in. It's supposed to be a witness. Jesus says, look at verse 21. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. Why? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 23. I am them and you and me. May they be brought to complete unity. Why? To let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And I've thrown this verse out a lot and Dave's thrown this verse out a lot because it's Kind of the theme verse of John is John twenty thirty one, which says, These are written that you may, church, believe. Right. This is all in here so that others may believe. Our unity, our ability to get along with other Christians, regardless of denomination or heritage or whatever, shows the world that there is something different about us. So the goal is not to be a club, but it is to be a witness. Next, the guideline. Jesus has a guideline for us. It isn't an open door, but it is an encouragement. Now, now wait a second, Ben. You just said that it's not a club. And now you're saying it's not an open door? Like, how does that balance out? Well, here's the way it balances out. It's the question of who do we unify with and who do we not unify with. It's not, unity should not be, let's go find everyone that's spiritual and say, yeah, we're, we're in this together. Because we're not. 
I want you to read. I, I want to read you something. This is off the website of Unity Church in Denver, Colorado. What is Unity Church? Unity Church is a worldwide, positive, practical Christian denomination that was founded in 1889. It has no creedal requirements, dogma, or ecclesiastical hierarchy. Unity believes that there are many paths to God and truth, and therefore does not argue or proselytize, but aims to promote spiritual understanding, respect, and harmony. Unity stands for peace in the presence of conflict, for love in the presence of hatred, for forgiveness in the presence of injury. Unity honors the many names for God, the many paths to God, the many ways of worshiping God. For we know that there is only one power and presence of God and that God loves us equally. It is therefore the position of unity to urge all nations, their leaders and their people to turn to God by whatever name. And ask for guidance during these challenging times and pursue peace, not war. For this is what honors the God of all our faith traditions. Unity stands for peace in our lifetime. And then it goes on to talk about the fact that there is no devil. Uh, Let's not focus on the afterlife because we need to be experiencing the kingdom of heaven today rather than thinking about when we pass away. Um... It talks about the practice of mystical or contemplative prayer and meditation. Uh, God is within every person in all of existence. Is this the kind of church we should be unifying with? No. Not at all. There's another church. um, I met the the pastor of this church. Uh, It's called Solomon's Porch. And I'm not here to to try to rag on it. I'm just, I'm just trying to point to you where this individualistic world is headed to. At Solomon's Porch, anyone and everyone can come and stand up and speak and share their mind. There is nothing that is taboo. There is nothing that cannot be said. But there is also no authority in the Word of God. They handle just as much the Quran and teachings of other religious books and leaders and accept those just as valid as the Bible. Uh, a relative of mine goes to a church that does a very similar thing where they bring in all these different texts and talk about world peace and unity and, hey, you find your path to God because there are so many different paths and so many different ways of getting there. And I, I listened to him, and in one sense, I was excited that he was going to a church. But at the same time, I just was grieved because he is really missing the boat and really missing the truth that is out there. So this idea of unity isn't an open door, and let's go be Unity Church of Denver and invite people of all faiths and all walks. Because, let's remember, Jesus is the only way to God. We just read it a couple of chapters ago. In John chapter 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That is pretty clear. Pretty solid. There is one way and it is through me. And that's it. 
So one thing that we need to know as we're looking at, you know, okay, well, is this person someone I need to be unifying with? Is this someone that's on my team or not? We need to look at the non-negotiables. And that's a whole nother talk for a whole nother time. But one of the biggest ones, and I'm trying to point this out, one of the biggest today is that if a church preaches Jesus the only way to God, that's a really good sign. If they preach Jesus and other ways to God, man, that's a red flag right there. Unity isn't an open door. We're not just to unify with anyone. But it is, however, an encouragement with, for those with whom we unify. Dr. Glenn Weekly, pastor of a church in Tennessee, said this. Of the 5,000 new companies that are started each year, only 1,000 remain two years later. After five years, only 200 are left. Corporate consultants say that the common denominator among all those failed companies is that they have no clear purpose. They lack a specific goal and direction. Someone has said, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. You guys get that? Let me read it one more time. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing in any church is to reach people for Jesus Christ. Dave and Rich and I uh, meet as a group with other pastors in the area, in the Cambrian area. And we don't meet to get together and bicker about, you know, all these different extraneous issues. We meet to pray for each other and encourage each other and keep focused on our goal. We're running after Jesus. We're fighting for Jesus. Um, I met a friend of mine. I don't even remember the whole story. Um, but I was introduced to someone. And the person that was introducing me said, oh, well, this person is such and such. And you're a, a Protestant, right? And I go, yeah. And they go, oh, well, then you must have a lot to talk about. And I said, well, hey, we're on the same team. We're, we're all on the same team. And it, it struck both of them. They're like, what? Same team? I go, yeah. Man, if we're running after Jesus first and foremost and we're pointing other people to Jesus... That's on the same team right there. There's this TV show I love, and there's, uh, there's one moment where this group of people is playing basketball, and uh, one of the players steals the ball from his teammate and then goes and shoots and makes a basket. <laughs> now, um, the point of that is, why does it matter whether people come here or to the church on the street, down the street? We're all on the same team. Now, I'm not saying, like, don't invite people here, you know, because this is a great place to be and we'd love to have them here. I'm just saying that if they end up choosing to go somewhere else, it's not a loss. I had this uh, girl from next door come to our youth group one, one night and I asked her, like, Hey, do you, have you ever been to a church? She goes, yeah, I actually go to two different youth groups every week. And this is my third. I go, wow, that's, that's incredible. Um, and she stayed for a week and had a good time, but ended up deciding to go back to her other youth groups. 
And sure, would I have loved to have her here? Absolutely. But she's still getting Jesus. She's still getting the truth. So it's not a loss. Because we're all on the same team. So it's not about unifying with everybody, but it is about unifying to encourage each other and lift each other up. Oops, I'm going the wrong way. All right, finally, the focus. The focus of unity. The focus of unity should not be on our differences. The focus should be on our similarities. It's time for a poll. How many of you have known or know a Christian with beliefs that are different than yours? Fair number. Okay. How many of you have had an argument and or discussion with this person concerning those differences? All right. That was about 100% of the people that raised those hands, which is what I was expecting. We all have. We've all talked about those differences. And it's not a bad thing. But what I want to show you is that there's a time and a place. I had a friend of mine who, every time we started talking about religious things. We started talking about the Bible. We started talking about Jesus. He instantly went to, let's talk about predestination. Let's talk about creation. Let's talk about the end times. Let's talk about assurance of salvation. He went for the hot button issues because he wanted to argue. And that was his goal. Now, years and years later, I found out that his desire to argue was just a mask because he didn't want to talk about his own issues with religion and is now not walking with the Lord and is a guy that I pray for often. But the point that I'm trying to make with this is how would Christianity have looked if I had, going back to that example of the person that introduced me to this other person, how would it have looked if I started arguing or debating with that person? And believe me, I've done it. Okay, but as soon as I'm introduced to this person, oh, you're uh, such and such. Oh, well, then you believe this and this and this and this is wrong and this is wrong. And, well, I can't believe that you guys believe this because, I mean, will you look at the scriptures because it says this and this and this. No, 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 no. Instead of uplifting those people, I would have knocked them down, left them with a bad image of me and possibly a bad image of Christianity. What kind of witness are we showing? I was invited by a friend to to visit her church. I was working at In-N-Out and was excited to find another person that worked at In-N-Out and actually went to church. It's rare, believe me. Um, And so I was like, yeah, sure, I'll come to your church. So I show up at her church and uh, the guy gets up there and starts talking about denominational churches do this and this and this and this and this. But we here at the Church of Christ do this and this and this. Denominational churches are bad because this and this and this and this and this. But here at the Church of Christ, we do this and this and this and this. And on and on he goes. And he gets to the end of the sermon and he says, Now, if you think that I was up here this whole time just to bash on denominational churches, 
I'm thinking, oh, good. He's going to redeem himself and he's going to say what his real intent was. He goes, I was. (laughs) And after I scooped my jaw up off the floor and put it back in my mouth, I couldn't believe it. I was like, are you really saying that? And they were creating for themselves a club. They were ostracizing themselves from the rest of the Christian community and saying, those guys don't get it. We're the only ones that do. And it's our way or the highway. Now, I thought Jesus said it was his way or the highway. Hmm. This church was so focused on their differences that they never had an opportunity to see any similarities. Let's focus instead on what we have in common. Dave pointed me to this. And read along on the screen if you can while I read. Christian unity at its deepest and yet simplest is this. Christ indwells you. And he indwells me. We have been joined to the Father through the work of Jesus and the presence of the Spirit. So whatever makes us different could not possibly be greater than what makes us alike. Whatever divides us cannot possibly be stronger than what brings us together. If Jesus Christ is with you and Jesus Christ is with me, then what we have in common exceeds everything we don't. I'm going to highlight that last sentence and read it again. If Jesus Christ is with you, and Jesus Christ is with me, then what we have in common exceeds everything we don't. Jesus wanted us to unify as believers and not sit here and bicker. He wanted us to focus on our similarities and not on our differences. As you interact with other believers, is your focus on Jesus? Not just other denominations, but even the people sitting right next to you. All the other people sitting in this room. I guarantee if we all started talking about different issues, we'd find some differences in this room. I can almost guarantee it. But do we talk about the main thing? Do we encourage others in their walk? Do we focus on similarities? On Jesus? The front cover has a picture of rowers. Now, your picture is a little bit different than mine, but the point is still the same. The title is What Really Matters? What Really Matters? As we sit and think about our interactions with others, with other Christians, with other believers, what really matters? Does it really matter to argue about menial things? Or does it really matter to get in deep and encourage each other and say, hey, keep pressing on, man. Keep reaching people for Jesus. Keep bringing them to church. Keep showing them the good life. The life that God desires. A life walking with Him. Show them that there's nothing better than living a life 
serving Him. If these four rowers were all focused on, dude, why did that guy get a Nike visor? I don't have one. What's the deal? Look at the guy in the back. He doesn't have a visor. He doesn't have sunglasses. He's got nothing. Dude, hey, why didn't I get one of those? Dude, is his aura longer than mine? What's going on? If he's focused on that, on differences, they're going to be going around in circles. Dude, did I see that rock already? What's going on? They have to be focused on one goal. They have to focus on their similarities. Hey, we all have a goal in mind. Get across the finish line first. Let's focus on that. As we interact with other believers, and as Jesus was praying for us, He was wanting us to focus on our similarities. Focus on what we have in common. Focus on what really matters. Jesus ends His prayer by praying for our salvation in our relationship with Him. Take a look at 24 through 26. Father, I want those You have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory You have given me, because You loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know You, I know You, and they know that You have sent me. I have made You known to them and will continue to make You known in order that the love You have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. I want to end our time focusing on Christ in us. By remembering what He's done for us and by making Him the focus as we walk out the door. I gave some of you verses to read, so if you can stand up one at a time. I want the rest of you to listen to these verses and focus on what they have to say in regards to what Christ has done for us. Mm-hmm. Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who has who is hanged on the tree. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Colossians 2nd, verse 13-15. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the unquestioned thoughts of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of death that stood against us with the legal demands. This he set aside, hailing to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them into open shame by triumphing over them. Second Corinthians 5.1 For our sake, he made sin to be sin for your own sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Galatians 1.3-4 Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, According to the will of our God and Christ. Revelation 5, 9 and 10. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, 
And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. Romans 5, 6-10 For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. That should be our focus. That should be our commonality, our unity. That's where we go to someone who we know at our work that's a Christian that goes to some other kind of denominational church and say, hey, isn't it great that God saved you? That God saved me. That God died. That God cleansed me. Press on. Fight the good fight. Finish the race. That kind of unity is radical. Is against everything that this world, especially this country, pushes. This country pushes you, you, you. Make it your way. But if we take that focus and put it onto others instead, it's going to change things. My encouragement to each and every one of you is to ask that question what really matters? As we interact with each other, as we go about our daily lives, as we get frustrated at people. It happens. Think about that. What really matters? It's all about Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, let our focus be on You and You alone. God, let us find the strength to unify as believers. God, we're not a corporation. We're not in competition with the church down the street. We're not fighting to get people from there over here. We're not trying to sell them a product. They're pushing Jesus and we're pushing Jesus. They're pointing to You and we're pointing to You. Help us to work together. God, it's been beautiful seeing the way that neighborhood has worked with other churches already. Unifying. Coming together for uh, the Easter egg hunt and for this mystery night we just had and all these different things. God, it's just been beautiful. But God, let us just continue to unify. Let us continue to 
focus on the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. And you are the main thing. Now let us march out these doors, remembering what you have done for us and celebrating that. Celebrating that with our friends, with our family, with people that we have some religious conflicts and scriptural differences with. God, let us focus on the main thing. Thank you so much for what you've done for us. We don't even come close to deserving it. In Jesus' name.